Good morning. Uh, my name is Will Weinig. Our reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 3. To give a human example, brothers and sisters, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make that promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not, for if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to a promise. The word of the Lord. Lord, we trust you. We know that you are present here with us by your spirit. We pray that the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable to you, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, I was thinking about Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol this week. And I wasn't thinking about it because we had Christmas carols playing in the house. It's not Halloween yet. I was thinking about Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol because my daughter, my three-year-old daughter, loves Dora the Explorer. And she was watching a Dora movie that casts Ebenezer Scrooge as Swiper the Fox powerful. And I was watching the movie, and I realized that Dora gives us these two characters, I'm sorry, Dickens gives us these two characters in this story that capture these two fundamental problems that face human beings. You have Ebenezer Scrooge, who lacks love, and so his life is meaningless, even though he's preposterously wealthy and successful. And then you have Bob Cratchit, who lacks power. He's unable to provide for his family, 
he can't find adequate medical care for his son, Tiny Tim. And so his life is tragic. Without power, life is meaningless. Without love, life is meaningless. Without power, life is tragic. There is exactly one way human beings can overcome both of those problems. That's Jesus Christ. The church should know that. The church in Galatia should have known that. But they seem to forget it. And that's why Paul is so frustrated with them. The whole letter to the Galatians is a reminder of the privilege that we have in Christ. Paul's in the middle of this reminder here. Look at verse 15. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void, for if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Here's what Paul's saying. Two covenants. Abraham, Moses. Covenant of grace, covenant of works. Both of those covenants are fulfilled by Jesus. Jesus is the offspring of Abraham in whom all the nations of the world are blessed, who leads his people into God's rest. Jesus is true Israel, who perfectly obeyed the law so that he could die not for his own sins, but for ours. Jesus is the Savior promised all the way back in Genesis 3.15, the first proclamation of the gospel. And in that proclamation of a gospel, we also hear about an offspring. Genesis 3.15 promises that the offspring of Eve, a descendant of the woman, will crush the head of the serpent, dealing a decisive blow to the evil force that enslaves humanity. While being struck on his heel, taking a fatal blow himself. The offspring of Abraham is the same as the offspring of the woman. And who this offspring would be and how God would go about delivering on this promise is something angels long to look into. We read that in 1 Peter. Angels long to look into how God would accomplish this because even the angels did not know how God could restore humanity to what they had lost. When the time came, the Savior arrived and Christ crushed the head of the serpent at the cost of his life, and he did restore to humanity what we lost in the garden. We were created to exercise dominion over the world. It's right there in Genesis 1.28. Take dominion. 
We were not meant to suffer, powerless to overcome the evil around us and inside us. And we were meant to exercise that dominion in communion with God and with one another. Not to experience abandonment and betrayal, even as we betray and ignore our Creator. Dominion and communion, power and love. God created us for that kind of life. We lost it. Christ won it back. And the church in Galatia seemed to forget it. Listen to what Paul writes in verse 19. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And then verse 21, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The Galatians needed to be reminded of the privilege they had in Christ because they were thinking wrongly about the law. The law was added because of transgressions. Because of human sinfulness, people need God's law to show us what is right and what is wrong, to give us a window into God's holiness and to hold up a mirror to our own moral bankruptcy. The law was added because of transgressions. But the Galatians acted as though the law could give life. They seemed to think salvation could come through the law, that we could and should earn salvation by obeying the law. That God would grant his power and love to those people who prove themselves worthy by their good works. But salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. We know that. But I think we forget to. Look again at verse 21. If a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. That life Paul is talking about is eternal life. And eternal life is not simply never-ending life. There's a kind of never-ending life that we very much want to avoid. Eternal life is defined not only by its duration. Eternal life is defined by God's power and love. Eternal life is life lived in communion with Christ, in whom all God's promises are yes and amen. And I think we are very much like the Galatians in forgetting that truth. Because I think that we too often act as though lives of love and power will be won by our efforts, just like the Galatians did. The Galatians were struggling with a perennial human problem, 
we try to replace God. We seek in the creation what can only be found in the creator. If we can save enough money, we'll have security. If we can be with the right person, we'll feel fulfilled. What I'm saying is that we expect that if we do things right, we'll be in control and we'll feel satisfied. We never really expect to experience powerlessness. We never really expect to experience loneliness and isolation. Even though Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. There is exactly one way that humans can overcome the problems of power and love. That way is Christ. And in this life, we can only have the first fruits. The full enjoyment is an inheritance stored up for us where it will not perish or fade. Christ was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And a servant is not above his master. So do not lose heart if you are like Bob Cratchit and you lack the power to protect your children from illness. And do not lose heart if you feel alone. Listen again to Paul in verse 23. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to promise. All of us here differ in many ways. We have different family backgrounds. We have different social statuses. Some of us are women. Some are men. Some are healthy. Some sick. Some discouraged. Some happy. Some feel valued. Some do not. Some of us do not feel cared for or truly known, and some do. But all of us, at least potentially, can be exactly the same in one way. We can all be related to the creator of the universe in exactly the same way. As many of us as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And if we are Christ's, then we are heirs according to the promise. And in that case, it's okay if we feel weak, inadequate, out of control. We don't need to self-flagellate 
review all our failures and failings. We can just do the next right thing. God can be strong in our weakness. In Christ, we are deep in the might of God. And it's okay if we feel unknown, unappreciated, alone. We don't need to see ourselves as victims, overwhelmed, hard-pressed, and use that as an excuse to be cruel or cold or demanding toward the people around us. We can just pay attention to the next person God puts in front of us. And we can figure out how to make that person feel known and cared for and appreciated. In Christ, we have already a hint of what it will be like to see God face to face. And that's more than enough. Pray with me. Lord, you are glorious. We are made for you and find ourselves only in you. Pour out your love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit to give us a hope that will not disappoint. And help us to live in that hope in ways that surprise the people around us as Jesus surprised those who knew him. In Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen. Thank you.